0: Brother Hart, I'll encourage you tonight. I had her seeing Brother Julius last night, 95-year-old, get happy and get up and go to shouting, and he's still pastoring the church. So there's hope for me and you both, brother, that we'll continue on. Brother Hart said something there tonight that I had to talk just a little bit on last night. I wasn't there to preach, but Beardy sung that song Sounds like heaven to me. Got talking about the children there that uh, has been aborted. And I hadn't thought of it till last night. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I had to stand up and say, If there's not another soul saved in this world, if there's not another one that will make that trip down to an altar, Call on God to be saved. A million and a half souls went to heaven last year because of abortion. A million and a half souls made heaven their home. Now think about that. Simply because of abortion. I wish I could say that America had a million and a half souls saved in the altar last year. But I don't know that for a fact, so I can't say it tonight. But aren't you glad tonight that God is able, and not only that, but he's willing to save old sinners. If you'll turn with me in the book of John chapter number 6, I'll try not to hold you too long. John chapter number 6, if you will, And let's read verse number 35. Should be a familiar scripture to most of us. Jesus talking. Jesus heard the murmuring of the Jews. And here in verse 35 it said, And Jesus said unto them. Now notice who he's talking to. He said, I am. The bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. <clears throat> Brother Chris, that's the blessing. Father, tonight, Lord, Hear the God. cries, Lord. Please, Lord. Yes, Father, grant it, Lord, amen, amen. Now, since I said about the unborn babies of making heaven their home, the thought I got today was on life itself. In this particular scripture, the Lord said to you and I, I am the bread of life. Now you and I, the older we get, realize how precious life really is. We didn't think about it much in our teenage years. We were anticipating getting our driver's license. We anticipated graduating school and maybe going to college and uh, maybe a trade school or something. And we really didn't think about the importance of life itself. Because we didn't truly understand life as a teenager. We didn't understand really life itself in our 20s. Because I'll speak for myself, in my 20s I was bulletproof. I didn't think nothing could hurt me. Wasn't afraid of nothing. Didn't have enough sense to be afraid of anything ride old crazy horses and motorcycles and things like that, that your life could have been snuffed out any second. But you didn't think of it in your 20s. When you became in your 30s, you began to understand just a little bit about life. But you still didn't have the concept uh, that life is really a vapor here. The Word of God refers to that. It's just a mist. We're here for a little while, we're gone. You say, well preacher, what about 100, 120 years? Compared to eternity, that ain't even a good blink of the eye. We didn't think a whole lot about it in our 40s. Uh, our bodies begin to change uh, or I'll, I'll speak for myself. I could watch a commercial and gain weight. In my 40s, and then you think about it, you begin to ache some. You know them things you done in your 20s begin to show up. You know them things that you thought, ah, oh, that didn't hurt that bad. You got up in your 40s and closer to 50 and realized, oh boy, I wish I hadn't rode that horse. I wish I hadn't have got on that motorcycle. I wish I hadn't have done that stupid Stunt. And then by the time you reach in your fifties and you're visiting the doctor more regular. And they're trying to figure out exactly what caused it. And you're the whole time trying to tell him it was my stupidity, doctor. It was cause I was young and dumb and bulletproof and didn't really realize what life was all about. Now you're in your 50s and you realize that life itself is very important. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So somewhere between 30 and 50, you normally become acquaintances with God. He begins to be more important to you than other things that used to be. I got saved in my 30s, thank God. He was there the day I needed him. He had always been there. I just didn't recognize it. I'm glad that he was more forgiving than me. I'm glad he was more merciful than me. I'm sure glad he loved me more than I love myself. And I'm sure glad he didn't turn a deaf ear the day that I cried out. He said, I am the bread of life. I realized in my thirties when I got saved uh, that he truly is the bread of life. That he gave his life not only that I'd have a better life here but I could have eternal life. See the life here is just preparation for eternity and the older I get the more precious eternity becomes. Because I realize that vapor is vaporizing. And as Brother Howard said, we may not be here next year. As the sister said about her back surgeries, we may not be here next year. As we look at the world scene, the world scene tells me he's soon coming. Things that's going on in the world right now tells me, hey, you know that trumpeter may have his horn to his lips already. And taking the breath to blow that trumpet. The breath of life. And I got to thinking about. Just turn with me there in John chapter number 10 for one second. Let's read one verse there. In John chapter number 10. If you'll turn there and look in verse number uh, 28. And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Do you know what a gift it is tonight to be saved? This scripture I just read to you, do you understand what it said? He said that I give unto them eternal life. Say, people going to live forever. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad of that life's part, Brother Chris. No man can pluck me out of his hand. <laughs> they can talk about you all they want to. They can curse you and mock you and spit on you, ridicule you for your stand in Christ. But they can't pluck you out of his hand. They don't have that kind of power. Thank God they don't, because I assure you somebody would have done plucked me out and thrown me in the fire. Why? Because I stand on certain things that I understand is dear life is dear to me. Old people are dear to me. These babies are dear to me. Why they've got their life ahead of them. our older folk have done live their life, but we need their knowledge. He said I give you eternal life It's a gift He gave it to you But I want to remind you of Maybe some of you in here tonight That you've been given a gift And you just stuck it up in the closet And you have a purpose That you might re-gift it to somebody else Because you really don't like it Are you listening? He gave a gift, Chris, that anybody can have. Hello? He gave a gift that anybody can have, but not everybody wants it. I remember two old boys that was witnessing on the streets down in New Orleans, and there was a prostitute on the corner, and this young Christian partner was with him and they were learning this young Christian how to witness on the street and that young Christian ran up to that prostitute and began to tell her about Jesus and how she could be saved and born again and get out of that lifestyle and begin really to truly to live and that lady first took her fingers in her ears and said don't tell me don't tell me don't tell me because she knew she'd be accountable after she knew about Jesus. So that didn't deter the young man and he kept on witnessing, he kept on telling her about Jesus. She's walking, she's got her fingers in her ear, she don't want to hear it, she don't want to turn from it. So all of a sudden she turned around and jerked her top up over her head and she didn't have no bra on. The young Christian didn't know what to do so he turned to the elder and he said your turn and walked off I thought you know that's the way a lot of folks are they want to put their fingers in their ear they don't want to hear it they want to walk off they want to distract you from your duty as a Christian life eternal is something that is so valuable that God gave his only begotten son That you and I could obtain that life eternal. And I thought about how God loved me so much. Cared for me so much. That he allowed me that. But I also, if you'll turn right backwards just a little bit. In chapter number 8 of the book of John. And let me read a verse there. Chapter 8 and verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying. I am the light. Of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You know why a lot of folks won't come to church on Sunday morning for Sunday school? They don't want to learn about what God said how to live, they don't want to learn about the Ten Commandments. They don't want to learn the things that a Christian ought to know. So they think that they won't be held responsible. But I want to remind us tonight that the word of God said, you'll be judged for every deed done in the body, whether good or evil. And you will give an account for every idle word. Whether you come to church or not, that's up to you. But God will judge you for that. You'll stand in his presence one day and he'll either say welcome thou good and faithful servant or depart I never knew you. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm glad that when he spake he said I am the light. He'll reveal unto you where you come short. He'll reveal unto you where you need help where you need changes. <laughs> Without light, you'll never see it. Without light, you'll always be in darkness. A lot of Christians I know try to walk in the gray area. (laughs) They'll say, oh, preacher, one little drink of alcohol won't send you to hell. (laughs) My answer to them is, nope, it won't send you to hell. Sure won't. But if you're truly born again walking in the light, You won't want to drink a liquor. You won't have a desire for it. And because you have a desire for it, listen to me, you need to get more light in your life. Get closer to Jesus, not further away. Listen, an hour and day we're living in, you can get somebody to agree with anything and everything you want to mention. You can be a drunk, you can be a harlot. You can be a whoremonger. You can be a dope addict. You can be infeminine. And they say you can still go to heaven. My book says no drunkard shall enter in. No drunkard. And listen, if he's going to hold the drunk accountable, he'll hold the rest of them accountable. So you better walk in the light as he is the light. He said, I am the light of the world. He that, listen, followeth me shall not walk in darkness. You won't desire the darkness of this world. Say amen. I believe tonight, church, as we look in the scripture and we look and see that God is trying to help us all to realize how much we truly need God, how much we truly need the light, how much we really, really, really need to repent. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 16. He said, holding forth the word of life. Are you with me? That I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain. No, you haven't neither labored in vain. Your running ain't in vain and your laboring ain't in vain. We were talking about it last night down there as the brother in the church and all of us was rejoicing because one more got his name written in the Lamb's book of life. And I happened to think of the marksman song, If I could win only one and be a hindrance to none, I do believe my Lord would be satisfied with me. He said walk in the light because he was the light. He said if you follow me in the light you'll not walk in darkness. And here in this chapter 2 and verse number 16 he said holding forth the word of life. That means don't waver. Don't be tossed to and fro with every wind and doctrine. Hey there's a new religion born every week. Amen. Just check around. I mean, they're worshiping trees. They're worshiping stumps. Uh, Hey, how many got on Hellbot's Comet here several years back and tried to fly out of here? All they done was commit suicide. Hey, we're following a cult and the cult led them straight to hell. You better follow the word because the word is light. It's light in the dark, dark, dark world that we live in. This book is true. I'm talking about the old King James Bible. Just stay with the book. Amen. It'll lead you into the light. But this book that we hold so dear tonight in Philippians chapter number 4 while we're there and verse number 3 the Bible said and I entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labor with me in the gospel with Clement also notice this and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. How do you know their name's in the book of life? Their life lines up with the book. That's how you know it. Amen. I will to tell you something. You can act like a Christian all you want. That don't make you a Christian. Act is an act. Being a Christian is a lifestyle that comes from within. Amen. I mean, if you do slip up, there's something inside called the Holy Ghost that'll make you sick at your stomach because you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you ever sin and come short and you don't have Holy Ghost conviction, you're lost. Because the Holy Ghost will convict you. I'm persuaded tonight that he, notices. he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him, there's where the problem lies. We don't have much commitment anymore. We don't commit to going to church three times a week. We don't commit to paying our tithes. We don't commit to our prayer life, our Bible reading. Amen. Our commitment has come short. Paul said, I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. Where's your commitment tonight? Where is your commitment tonight? Think about it tonight. Turn with me right quickly in the book of Revelation and let me read a verse there, if you will, please. In Revelation chapter number 3. Now, you remember this is the last book. Amen. Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 5. He that overcometh, what do you got to overcome? Well, the word of God teaches me I got to overcome myself. Amen. The same shall be clothed in white raiment. Now listen to what he says. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Are you with me? You're going to stand before God and God's going to call your name and you're either going to hear welcome or depart. Are you with me? When he says depart, your name's out of the book. Your name is out of the book of life when he says depart, I never, never, never knew you. Oh, but I went to church. I never knew you. Oh, I I, I, I cast out demons in your name. I never knew you. Oh, I was a Sunday school teacher. I never knew you. I preached behind the pulpit. I still never knew you. Why? Because you never got your name in the book of life when you stand before God and your name's blotted out of that book of life, listen, friend, there ain't enough preachers in this country to pray you out of hell. That is a no-no straight out of the pits of hell. You enter into hell and you cannot leave there. You are eternally forever doomed to die And die, and die, and never, ever get through dying. Because the opposite of living is dying. And if God, through his son Jesus Christ, gave us life eternal, death is eternal also. And if you're dying and dying and dying, guess what? Look in chapter 2 there while we're there right quickly. Verse number 19. He said, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the life to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against who? Thee. Why? Because Thou sufferest that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to what? Seduce my servants. When I first got saved in 1987 listening to Christian radio and I heard this lady come on there and then they had her on the news channel on world news hookers for heaven hey that made national news you know why they wanted to make fun of your salvation my salvation and our God big chested woman sitting there with long blonde hair what kind of church do you have oh I'm the pastor she said which is a lie out of the pits of hell. And she said, to be a member of my church, you have to sleep with me. Trendy Hill at that time had about 75 or 80 members. She hadn't been in business more than a month and she already had 137 members. I ain't going no further with that. If that ain't a shame and a disgrace, but see, our news media loved it. Our news media eat that up. Our news media wanted to make a mockery of going to church and things of God. Oh, this is the kind of church that they have. Well, if that happened in 1987, what's going on today? Because it's got worse and worse and worse today, friend. It ain't got no better. Are you with me? Say amen. Turn back in the book of James tonight. Just a couple of more scriptures and I'll be done. In the book of James chapter number one. Are you there? Say amen. Verse number 12. Blessed is the man... That endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. (laughs) What are you saying tonight, preacher? If you want the crown of life, you better get on the endurance program. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Temptation's gonna come. Amen, I told you many times in messages, beer never went on sale till I got saved and quit drinking. Hello? Then alcohol went on sale. Everywhere I went, big sign, alcohol, buy one, get one free. That's temptation, ain't it? But you got to endure that temptation. Uh, (laughs) How many has been in tempted to sin since you got saved I'm going to help somebody everybody's ever got saved had some kind of temptation oh preacher you mean well let's go let me help you let me, I'm going to help you say with me I'm going to help you honestly I'm going to help you tonight if Jesus Christ is our example and he is was Jesus Christ God in the flesh? Say amen. Was he tempted? Did he resist? Or oh, if you just bow down, I'll give you all this down here. Wasn't that temptation? I'm glad he resisted. I'm glad he endured. So if he's our example, now listen, I'm going to help you tonight. and You ain't, may not like it, I'm going to help you anyhow. There ain't a no one of us in here went 40 days without eating. Not a one of us. I've been sick a lot in my life at different times, and I don't ever remember going 40 days without a bite of food. 19 days, I never eat a bite. They were putting it in my vein. The doctor came in on the 19th day and I said, Doc, I'm hungry. He said, you're getting everything you need right there. I said, but it ain't helping the lips and the gums. I want something to chew on. He looked at that nurse and said, that boy's hungry. Go get him a scrambled egg and one piece of bacon. I was only 14 years old, folks. I ate that scrambled egg I eat that piece of bacon, and I ain't one bit ashamed to tell you. That doctor walked into the room to see if my stomach would handle that after 19 days, and I was licking the plate. (laughs) He looked at me and said, That boy's still hungry. I said, You didn't give me nothing but an appetizer. He looked at that nurse and said, Let him have whatever he wants, this monitoring. And after he left the room, I said, does that mean I can have anything I want? She said, anything they got in this hospital, son, you can have it. I said, give me the phone. I'm calling Mama. I know Mama would cook. I said, Mama. Yes, son. You coming up? Yeah, i gonna be a part of while." I said, fix me a whole quart of green beans. She brought a whole quart of green beans with a good fat back right in the middle of it. I was sitting in the middle of that bed eating them green beans. I didn't eat no bread. I didn't eat nothing else. I wanted them green beans. And as I was eating them green beans, I said, Mama, would you run down here to the burger joint, Burger King, get me a Whopper and a pineapple milkshake. I ate the quarter green beans before she got back. I ate the Whopper and I ate that pineapple milkshake that doctor come in there and said, my God, boy, you was hungry. I said, you don't eat 19 days and see what happens to you. If you're alive, you're going to be hungry. The trouble of it is tonight, temptation has come to the church and the churches went to the world instead of going to Jesus. Jesus. They've got light shows, smoke screens, got everything out of the sun, but they ain't got no more God because they've lost life eternal in the house of God because they sold out for temptation. Preacher, we'd have more people if you wouldn't preach so loud. They sell cotton at about every store just get you some. If that don't work, get you some earmuffs. Hey, man, listen, I got a power of our made-first shotgun. I'll guarantee you you won't hear 10% of what I'm preaching. Right? That's where the church is now. That's about all they want. They just want about 10% of what's being said anyhow. You know what that 10% is, Beardy? Good morning and good day. That's basically what the church nowadays is wanting to hear. Good morning and good day. Have a nice day. They're not looking for the meat in between. Oh, it's getting quiet. Woo! I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. When the Lord, notice this, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You want to prove your love to God? Better get the endurance program. Revelation's the last verse I'll read tonight, chapter 22 in the book of Revelation. Verse number 17. The Bible said in the spirit, and the bride said, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life." Freely, I know my brother Hardbacker, and I know Brother Chris, and the things that they have preached was freely given because it was freely given to them. But how many of us? <laughs> Ooh, let me nail this down. I'll hush, and you all can go home. I preached at my home church, and probably four or five months after I got saved, announced my calling to preach. And I, I preached. And just so happened, in the middle of that message, I hadn't studied it, I hadn't thought on it. God brought in bingo. Bingo was a big thing when I first got saved here in 1987. People were taking their time monies and spending it on bingo. <laughs> well I mentioned it in that message that night about and I don't remember what I said that's been too many years ago but I remembered I mentioned it as being their God because they laid out on Saturday night playing bingo and gave bingo their tithes so they couldn't get up on Sunday morning and get to church and when they did get to church they come in late and they didn't have no time money to give God because they gave it to the devil the night before I remember a few of them things I said, and after service that night, one of the ladies come up to me and said, "You ain't my pastor. I ain't got to listen to you." Said that to me hard. I said, "You're exactly right, ma'am. I'm not your pastor. You don't have to listen to me, but you ought to listen to the Word of God." Amen. I said, "If if God can use a jackass, a rooster, and a whale." Surely he can get something through me to help you. (laughs) She puffed up and walked off. You know why? She didn't want to hear. She didn't want to hear. Do you know how many people want heaven tonight without any restrictions? They want to live like hell but go to heaven. They want to live ungodly. They want to come and go into church when they want to. Use it as a revolving door. They'll pray when they decide to or when one of their family members is dying. We'll reach up for God to help us. But other than that, preacher, you're just wasting your breath. I'll come and sit on the pew, but I'm turning to death here. I'm not going to hear. I'm going to leave the same way I came in. But I want eternal life, and you can't tell me I ain't going to have it. I'm glad I'm not the one going to tell you. But one of these days you'll stand before God and he'll say depart. I never knew you. And you'll mention all of those great things. You know God I was at church on Sunday morning every other month. And you know God when I was at church I put a dollar in the plate. Uh oh that reminded me. This is a true story. A young pastor took a church. Older gentleman was the usher. And he noticed when the older gentleman got the plate, he put a silver dollar in the plate. He went back and collected the tithes and offerings, but the pastor never saw the silver dollar show up when they were counting the money. So he finally went to the older gentleman and he said, sir, he said, I got to ask you. He said, I, I'm curious. I don't know what's going on. He said, but I notice you put a silver dollar in the plate every Sunday morning, but when they're counting tithes and offerings, there's no silver dollar in the plate. And the older gentleman looked at him and said, young man, I've been doing this 35 years. You have to prime the pump. Do you have to be primed? Do you have to be primed to be a Christian? Do you really have to be primed to stand up for God? The old man thought he was doing good. Listen, you don't need to prime God's pump. God can stand on his own. His word will stand by itself. His life will stand as example to all of us. If you want eternal life, you're going to have to conform to his way. We've got too many Baptists. We need some Christians. we got too many Pentecostals, Church of God, Catholics, whatever denomination you want to mention, we got too many of them. But we need some. that's born again, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and know that to have life eternal, and their name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. How do you know that, preacher? It made a difference in them. They went down a drunk. They come up sober. They went down a dope head, a harlot, a whoremonger, whatever. But they came up clean as a newborn baby. They went down with spot on their life. But the Lord put the blood on them, made them whiter than snow. And because they're cleansed, their life is different. What kind of life do you really want? Let me say a couple more things. If Brother Hard Revistar has ever shown me anything in his life, he sure has showed me endurance in the gospel. I've been by his bedside many a time. I thought he was leaving us. But he's here. I know he sat on these pews, and he's probably when he pastored a church, he preached and he pastored and he visited when he didn't feel like it. Because it's an endurance program. Because life eternal meant so much to him, he wanted to share it and he wanted to live it. Others, Tanya back there. The back surgeries. Yeah. How many in here's had back surgery? Yeah. I've had a lot of broke bones. I've had a lot of things. but i tell you now, that back. You can't lay down. You can't sit up. You can't stand up. You can't walk. You you can't eat. You can't take a bath. Everything you do hurts. After my back surgery, I could not wait to get out of that bed, hobble to the bathroom, get the water on hot enough to boil cabbage, And this stick it on my back. And this stand there. It's just like it's thawing me out. And slowly my back began to move. So endurance is a trait of a Christian. How do you know that preacher? Well, the scripture says he endured the cross and the shame. Why did he do that? Because he loved you and I. In my invitation tonight, I want to ask you a very serious question. How much do you love someone else that needs Jesus tonight? Enough to come and pray for him, Enough to go visit them? Enough to fast a meal for him? How much do you really love them? You want them to have life eternal, but are you willing to give anything of yourself so they'll get it? Let us stand tonight. Chris, come play something softly, son. Just play something softly, whatever's on your heart. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. People are already making their way. Sacrifice and walk up here and call their name out to God. You want them to have life eternal. It may be your prayer that gets results tonight. At least you put your prayer up there where God knows you mean business. When you begin to pray for somebody, do you pray believing? Do you believe in your heart that your prayer will touch the hem of the garment and thereby? The greatest gift I could give anybody tonight would be life eternal. It's going to take a sacrifice from me. First of all, I'm going to have to sacrifice in the altar of prayer. I'm going to have to sacrifice my will for His will. I'm going to have to sacrifice my time, my treasure. I'm going to have to sacrifice that God will reach out and touch their heart. First of all, I'm going to have to make sure I'm where I need to be with God. That God would get the glory because I've given my life into His hand. Father God, hear our cries tonight as we cry in this altar. We pray and seek your face tonight, Father. Life, life eternal. Lord, we know you're the light of the world. We know that you're the bread of life. You're the living water, Father. God, help us to be thirsty tonight to drink of you and eat of your body. God, that we inside and out would be a Christian, not acting like one, but God, that we would be one. Father, I know where we sinned and come short of the glory of God that you're able to forgive us, Lord. You're able, Father, to set our footsteps aright that, Father, we could touch the hem of the garment tonight for someone that needs Jesus. God, they're a heartbeat, a breath away from eternal damnation. God, let us intercede for them tonight. God, let us call their name out to you tonight, Father. That Lord, that you would touch them and help them and strengthen them, draw them to an altar of prayer. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, I beg and plead of you tonight. Wherein I've come short, God, I know I have. God, because I've not done all I could do. God, help me tonight. Help me, Lord, to step up. Help me to be more like you and less like me. Father, we'll thank you and praise you and glorify you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.